0: the most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snyder. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Bob Comstock. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. We often talk about polls here on Fight Back with the federal election just around the corner. We've decided to do our own and you, our audience, are the people who count. The initiative is being led by The Zoomer Magazine current issue on newsstands now featuring a very clever take on Mount Rushmore with heads of our political leaders carved in stone, and we're calling this the Zoomer primary. We want you to go online and vote, but here's the beauty. You can change your vote if that's what you're moved to do as the campaign unfolds. We always hear that campaigns matter, but do they? We're going to be tracking this every Monday until the election here on Fight Back. Libby spoke with Zoomer Magazine's senior editor, Peter Muggeridge, and David Kravitz, vice president, Zoomer media guru on all things demographic.
1: Looking at our latest Zoomer primary poll, we have the Liberals out ahead by uh, 5% over the Conservatives. They're at 40%. The... Green Party is third at 8 percent, and the NDP has almost disappeared off the radar. They're only at 4 percent. The Conservatives are second at 35.
2: And David, uh, what do these numbers show?
3: The big news is that if you look at our poll and you compare it to some other polls, if the Conservatives were leading even by two or three points, it looks like the Liberal Distribution of those votes would translate into a better chance of forming a government, even if they were a little bit behind. So right now, the playing field looks like um, this is the conventional wisdom about a liberal minority uh, with these kinds of numbers.
2: We all know. Zoomers are much more likely to vote than any other demographic. Uh, I believe the proportion is kind of uh, by two-thirds more likely to vote. And uh, we're going to have a look at what is concerning for our demographic. So, uh, Peter, fill on the other, uh, you know, raison d'etre behind this initiative.
1: In the magazine, we gave a rundown of the various pl- uh, seniors Related platforms for each party. And CARP has its own, uh, CARP has identified its own platform.
2: Healthcare, I think, is at the top, you know. And this is really interesting because a lot of polling, polling of the general population, shows that the main issue is climate change. Now, you know what? That might be something that people are telling pollsters, but I don't think that it's the real thing, David. Yeah,
3: I I, I'm not, I, I, I would tend to agree with you, but even more than that, even if it were, that's not an issue on which there is a dramatic difference by age. And I know I'm saying something against the conventional wisdom. The conventional wisdom is younger people care about the climate change passionately. The older people who aren't going to be around by the end of the century don't care. But the data says that the Zoomer voter is just as likely – as the younger voter, to uh, care about climate change. In fact, slightly more likely. Really? Yeah, slightly more into buying, paying more to buy green products, slightly higher rate of recycling, slightly higher rate of saying, I'll, I'll change my lifestyle for the good of the planet. So at best, it's going to be an even, Stephen, across the age groups. If you look at climate change, it's not going to favor uh, Uh, one party over the other i don't think
2: but is that going to be uh, what we call the ballot question are people actually going to vote on that or do they just care about it
1: uh you know i i think these polls people like to show you know how how pious they are about certain issues but i you know whether whether the environment's actually going to rate above health care or the economy when they visit the ballot box I, I just don't see it happening. No.
2: So we're seeing that the Liberals are increasing. Yeah. And uh, do you have any views on what has to happen to NDP support?
1: Well, you know, uh, Singh has been a, he, yeah. he, he came with great fanfare and, and he was supposed to be a colourful, diverse leader. And he's been invisible and anything he said has sort of worked against the party. Mulcair was, uh, Thomas Mulcair was um, removed from the party because he was seen as a boring technocrat. But uh, they would be in better position with him in power than than they have been with Singh.
3: But I would argue Mulcair was way edgier. I don't know if yeah. he was that boring. He was a very he good was, debater. He was a very – He was a solid politician. He was an yeah. outspoken – like him yeah. or hate him. He was very he, defined. He was yeah. very,
2: very good as leader of the opposition yeah. and right. maybe less good yeah. on the hustings and making that contact. Right. So, people, we want you to go out and vote. So – You just go to zoomervote.ca. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Anything else people should know?
3: And
1: they they can can follow all the latest updates on the election and take part in our snap polls as well.
3: Check back in and change your vote if you want to.
2: That's something that we're going to be tracking pretty closely. It'll be interesting
1: to see how it shifts with, you know, will SNC move the needle at all or, you know.
2: Okay. And what are you looking for for next week before we meet again next week?
3: Well, next week is going to be the official last day of the pre-campaign, I guess Labor Day if it's Monday, and then I'm looking for how have they jockeyed for a position to lift off the day after next week, because I think that's when you're really going to see the action uh, get started.
0: Zoomer Magazine senior editor Peter Muggeridge and David Kravitz, vice president, Zoomer Media. You're listening to the best of Fightback. I'm Bob Comsick. Starting October 1st, some medical services we're accustomed to will no longer be covered by OHIP. Everything from getting earwax removed by your doctor to x-rays for sinus problems and some CT scans. These are based on recommendations from the OMA to modernize OHIP, remove duplication, and save some money. Dr. Sohail Gandhi, president of the OMA, and family physician Dr. Iris Gorfinkel joined Libby to discuss.
4: The main changes that were done were part of something called an appropriateness working group. Mm -hmm. And and I just want to emphasize that the goal of the group, I think, is actually a very good goal. And that is to make sure that the tax dollars that are spent on healthcare are being spent on the right tests. Uh, We know now that the technology has improved to the point where we're taking an X-ray of a sinus, uh, the sinuses, for example... Is outdated. It's not effective. It doesn't give clinicians like myself the best possible information. So it doesn't make sense for OHIP to cover that because it's not appropriate. Um, and that was the kind of thing that the appropriateness working group, uh, that's a joint working group between the government and the OMA, uh, came up with. Uh, so, so that was the sort of lens that we put on uh, this process.
2: I know that there's been a separate initiative from... Doctors trying to cut down on the number of tests because some of them might not really be necessary. Some of them may actually be harmful because they can uh, make you worry about things that you don't have to worry. And I know that that's, that's been going kind of on a separate track.
4: Right. So that was part of a medical education process called Choosing Wisely Canada, uh, an excellent process that looks at just how uh, physicians are ordering tests, looks at what's really relevant, what's really important, and what shouldn't be duplicated. And some of that work uh, did inform the uh, process around the appropriateness working group. It's about making sure that if you're going to have a procedure or if you're going to have a test, it's really the right thing and the evidence, the medical evidence supports you having that test. And then of course OHIP should cover it. To my mind, this is the kind of work that should actually be happening on a regular basis. Uh, These are taxpayers' dollars, whether you save $1 or you save a million or you save a hundred million, I think it's really important to make sure that they fund services that are absolutely needed. Uh, And that's the goal of the bilateral committee between the government and the OMA.
2: I'm here with Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. So you've already had questions from your patients about all this. Yes, I have had those questions. And
5: I'll share with you. People use words like, is this rationing my care? Am I going to get the imaging that I need and when I need it? For example, my CAT scan and my MRI. Because as soon as they hear the word CT and MRI in the news, they're worried that it's going to affect the services that they'll be receiving or needing.
2: Anything else that we should know that is going to be delisted? Probably the
5: most important thing for the Zoomer audience is to know that you don't have to go to your family doctor to just get a referral. I say hallelujah to that because I am so sick of seeing patients come to the office just to get a piece of paper to give permission to see a specialist whom they've already been seeing for And, of course, years.
2: the referral will be done by fax. <laughs> exactly. I mean, talk about a waste. That's a total waste. And I was really glad. To so, see how these. is it going to happen now? Because a lot you can't. Not everybody can email their doctors. That's right. Or, so there's
5: just no need to get a referral so, to a specialist so, if it's the same problem within two years. So, how do you get to see the specialist? You call the specialist and say it's the same problem within the two-year time frame, and that's now covered
2: under oh, just no. a minute that you've already seen the specialist yes. for. But you need a referral. To go for the first time, no? Oh, the first time you still need a referral. That's right, Le- And you still have to go into the
5: office to get it? Yes, you do. But, well, I, I have to justify to that specialist why I'm referring in the first place, right? So for the first time, that makes sense, right? I'm, I'm triaging it. I'm understanding it. I'm seeing if I can manage the problem without a long wait, with much less cost to the system. So that makes sense. The first time makes sense. But what I what I'm griping about here is that I don't like the fact that I'm seeing patients on an ongoing basis who are saying, "Give me a referral." It's been it's just been over a year, and my specialist is asking for a referral for the same problem. It's my thyroid, it's my whatever it is, and and it's the very same problem. So I'm gl- I'm grateful to see that they've corrected that, and now you've got two years to see that specialist. You don't need to go back to see your family doctor again. Hallelujah. Anything else you want to leave us with? I would say that I'm hoping this government will will move more toward bringing care to elders who are at home. And, you know, they've, they've kept the House calls in, but I think we can do better than that. I think we need to work to bring much more care directly to elders who are at home, the palliative, the infirm, and I don't see enough in here about that.
0: Dr. Sohel Gandhi, president of the OMA, and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick. Unfortunately, road safety and what to do about pedestrian fatalities is talked about too often, it seems, on Fight Back. Two seniors were killed on the roads in Scarborough just days apart. The fourth pedestrian over the age of sixty to be killed in the past thirty days. To explore why this keeps happening, Libby talked to Brian Patterson, President and CEO of the Ontario Safety League, and Toronto City Councillor Kristen Wong-Tam.
6: There is a large population that's driving who is driving distracted, uh, I believe that the speeds are, are too high, and uh, and oftentimes that's uh, the lack of enforcement. Uh, we need to have drivers re-educated to look out for vulnerable road users. Um, the fact that 40% of the, the, the collisions of the City of Toronto all take place on wide arterial roads in Scarborough uh, means that Scarborough needs to, uh, or like all of us, need to think about how to improve pedestrian uh, safety for those who are traveling on those wide uh, pod- um, Scarborough streets. Uh, All of this is of concern, and I wouldn't say that we need one um, tool to fix it. There's a multitude of of responses that all have to come together, and we have to do it consistently and with a sense of urgency to to keep people alive and safe. Brian Patterson, what's your take on this?
7: I have to agree. I think it's the the feeling that there's one tool, or we could have a big think tank and come up with uh, a universally suitable response just it hasn't worked anywhere in the world, but I do know that training, retraining, and uh, ultimately uh, uh, enforcement and ongoing education uh, has often been a been a key. We just have too many people driving only seventy percent engaged in their uh, driving task instead of a hundred, and it just takes a couple of seconds or an unexpected. Uh, uh, issue to occur and we're we're there i don't think anybody gets up in the morning and says uh i'm going to drive like a maniac today and hopefully i'll hit somebody <laughs> but i think they uh, when it happens they realize that it very easily could have been avoided and for a lot of families it could have been uh it could have been any one of them when you're listening to it on the radio.
2: Kristen Wongtam, we are now into Vision Zero 2.0. One of the measures, among many measures, is lengthening the time of certain lights.
6: You know, why, why hasn't that been happening? Retiming the signalized lights is actually a fairly lengthy process. Um, I would say that's not... The, the, the quickest thing we can do, uh, the quickest thing that we can do that does not require anything with respect to retiming the lights or even redesigning the road is just effectively dropping the speed uh, limit on all major uh, roads across the city. Um, and uh, and I know that for example, the down um, in the Toronto East Shore catchment area, we've already done that for the local um, uh, roads. so these are your residential neighborhood roads. they went from 50 and 40 uh, kilometers per hour, right down to 30. Unfortunately, um, across the the city, there's also a ward-by-ward approach outside of the Toronto East Shore catchment area. And that means that councillors may have an opportunity to provide some input. Sometimes local communities will come out and say, you know, we need to have those high speeds maintained. Um, So it becomes a much longer negotiating process. Um, but in the, in the Toronto East Shore catchment area, we already did it. And I think that it should not be negotiable. It actually should just happen across the city, uh, cause we know, uh, that although 10% of the, uh, those who are, um, affected by collisions, uh, are vulnerable road users, the disproportionate number of them are seniors. And I think that's, I think the number is 78 or 80%.
8: Oh, yeah.
6: Uh, so, so this is, uh, very serious for, for those who are, uh, who are needing additional support and, and we need to act faster. Um, I, I would just say for those who are still speeding and think that it's okay to speed, uh, we now know that drinking and driving is a major social taboo. Uh, we want to be able to, uh, as, uh, as neighbors and as uh, fellow folks, uh, you know, tell people not to drink and drive. We want to remind people, even if we're in passengers of taxis or, or other vehicles, is to remind the driver behind the wheel that they have to watch their speed. So let's, uh, let's start there.
2: Okay, Brian Patterson.
7: Well, I think education is going to be the key overall. We're not going to be able to ticket ourselves out of this problem. And if you're going to wave at anybody today, use all the fingers on your hand.
0: Brian Patterson, President and CEO of the Ontario Safety League, and Toronto City Councillor Kristen Wong-Tam. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Bob Comsick. Political promises, such as the one about public transit, Andrew Shear's years-old remarks about same-sex marriages, were all kicked around by Fightback's Tuesday strategy panel, including Karen Stints, CEO of Variety Village, and one-time Toronto City Councillor Bob Richardson of National Public Relations, and Kim Wright, principal of Wright Strategies.
9: Well, I think it's pretty consistent with a party that's trying to get reelected. They're offering up the goodies. They don't really mean anything unless the government gets reelected, which is what they're counting on, is that they want to make these promises in the hopes that they do return to office and then can fulfill them. And so it really is, we'll have to wait and see. Kim?
8: Yeah, I mean, there's always these. And gosh, if only they'd stop playing politics and actually, you know, do the governing over the course of four years instead of waiting to the last minute, go, oh, hey, wait a minute, we've got an election that was you know, a fixed date. Uh, you know, transit in Toronto and in other places needs to get built, stop being talked about, stop being studied, stop being reconfigured, uh, get on with it. People are tired of announcements and announceables. They actually just want to get on transit, so they're not stuck in traffic.
2: We had a whole brouhaha ha ha over Andrew Shear's position on same-sex marriage. Uh, The liberals dredged up a clip from 15 years ago when he said that he was against it because same-sex couples cannot, quote, naturally procreate. In the wake of that, Jagmeet Singh comes out and says, I'm not going to support a minority government led by Andrew Shear. So on the one side, uh, people are saying, Oh, uh, and uh, Jugmeet Singh just just conceded the election what the heck is that he's just shot himself in the foot on the other people are saying he's sending a signal to people who might want to vote for him that a vote for him won't end up being a vote for the Conservatives so did he shoot himself
8: in the foot then I, I don't believe he did um, frankly he has been pretty clear about he is running to become prime minister and what we will see during the course of the election campaign as we did four years ago is that campaigns matter and people make their decision during the course of that election period and what Concerns people, and certainly has concerned Jagmeet Singh, is some of the conversations and some of the tone that has come out of not only a lack of comment from Andrew Shear, but the comments that have come out from some of his candidates. So while he may not want to bring up some. Uh, social conservative issues some of his folks uh, certainly will and you know we don't have to look much farther than cheryl gallant from uh, uh the ottawa valley her comments the other day that marijuana is what's the cause of greenhouse gas increases like and, there there are some really interesting candidates
10: and you, the issue isn't that he made this speech 15 years ago he did The issue is his views haven't evolved in 15 years. And quite frankly, it shows contempt for the gay community. So, and you know what? He will pay a price for that at the polls. Oh, And if you talk to conservatives privately, they're beside themselves on this issue. They think, they think it is an unforced error and they don't think that they need to be doing this.
9: Karen, your view, whether or not Andrew Shear believes in gay marriage or not, he's already stated, I'm not doing anything about it. It's, It's accepted as a nation that that's what we support as a nation. Done. No more story there.
8: If that were the case... There's no more story. There's no more story. if that were the case, then people wouldn't still be protesting against Pride parades. There wouldn't be a need for Pride parades. By not going to Pride parades and supporting uh, the community writ large, I think he actually is silently saying, I don't support you. I don't go to Pride
9: parades. I, I had gone on occasion, but I didn't make it a regular part of my summer routine to go to Pride. I'm glad Pride's in the city, I would fight to continue it to be part of the city. But I didn't go, and it's not because of my position on gay marriage. I support gay marriage wholeheartedly.
10: My position's a little broader. I'm a member of the LGBTQ community, and I think it shows contempt that the guy can't show up to a single event, not an event in any of the cities across the country. I think it shows contempt for a community. Would he do that to uh, a regular event that happens in the South Asian uh, community, like Vishaki, or something else like that? The answer is no, he would not.
2: What would you like to leave us with for the long weekend, starting with... With Kim.
8: You know, people just need to start going out, having a good time, spending time with their neighbors, their friends, and, you know, stop getting ramped up about billboards and all the rest of it. Let's figure out who our neighbors are and build, and build stronger communities. I don't think the elections actually started because certainly, you know, to your point about getting together with friends and over dinner parties
9: and cocktails, no one's talking about the election. No, we're talking about everything else but the election. So I think it will be an interesting fall.
10: I think the election gets called somewhere between September 10th and September 15th. So until that time, I think it's a good thing to have a moratorium with your friends on talking politics and instead uh, talk about barbecues and having fun and uh, drinking wine and things like that. That's a better use of time right now.
0: Karen Stint, CEO of Variety Village and former city councillor. Bob Richardson of National Public Relations. And Kim Wright, Principal of Wright Strategies. This is Zuma Radio's Best of Fightback. I'm Bob Komsik. Fight Fightback with Libby's Nimer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Andrew and Vaughn called in to say he believes young voters will not be voting liberal in October.
7: I'm a young voter myself. I voted in the last federal election, and I actually voted liberal. In this federal election, I'm actually looking to vote conservative, and I'm in the 22 age range. A lot of my friends are actually looking to make that switch as well. I think they'll be surprised knowing that there's actually a lot more young voters who are actually swinging uh, more conservative this election.
0: Dennis and Brampton looked at how Canada's approach on climate change might be shaped by voters this fall. To date,
4: the Conservatives, they have put
0: something out there, but by
4: most expert opinion, not only does it meet the challenge, but will make matters worse. So the perfect scenario from a climate change perspective would be a Liberal minority uh, supported by the NDP and the Greens. That would push the Liberals to go even farther than they may have wanted to in the past.
0: Jerry in Toronto says drivers are not always to blame for pedestrian fatalities.
7: I was southbound on Victoria Park and I was two cars behind a gentleman who wasn't even going the speed limit. It's 50 kilometers, I don't even think he was going that fast. And a senior who could have walked a half a block up to O'Connor and crossed with the lights, stepped off the curb or even looked at the southbound traffic, and was looking at the northbound, and the car hit her, and unfortunately, the lady passed away. And I felt so sorry for the driver. She gave him no opportunity to stop. So I think you need a little bit more education, because it's not always the driver's
0: fault. And now, Fight Back's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week comes from Norm in North York on why we're seeing more crashes involving big rigs. When companies need to save
7: money, improve their bottom line, they trim safety, they trim wages, and things that attract drivers since deregulation back in the 80s has sort of messed things up a little. And then what do you get? Less qualified drivers. And they learn just enough to pass the test, and after that, nobody tells them what to do.
2: And you were a driver, right, Norm?
7: Oh, I was for decades. and I got in just around the time deregulation started. Many of the truck drivers that have been doing it for decades were just shaking their head and they said, my God, this is going to be a nightmare. Everybody and anybody, like in other countries, you want to start a bus company, buy a bus and a chalkboard and say where you're going
0: and how much. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us between noon and one weekdays at 416 360 0740 on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, also 96.7 FM downtown. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightbackzoomer.ca at and follow us on Twitter at Fight Back Libby. I'm Bob Komsick and for Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The Best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeb Hadi, With technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer.